It's February, which means the holidays have well and truly faded and the working year has sprung into focus. The mandatory meetings, juggling the school commitments for working parents, office politics, commuting, back-to-back Zoom calls, in many ways the perfect recipe for stress and burnout. On this episode of Put Simply, we tackle the not-so-romantic side of February. I'm Erdem Koch. And I'm Ozan Ibrahim. Welcome to Put Simply. Ozan, welcome back. We're trying something a little different this week. How are you going? I'm doing very well, thank you, Adam. And uh, greetings to you from sunny Malaysia. Uh, we are indeed trying something different. We've gone from the US and Indonesian elections to looking at the economic situation in China to most recently global food security. And now we're talking about careers, feelings of being stuck. It's quite a journey that we're on, my friend. Yeah, and that's, I guess, the aim of Put Simply, isn't it? I mean, if you remember, you know, many, many months ago when we were sitting in a cafe and talking about the idea of this podcast, we we sat there complaining about the fact that there wasn't really a podcast out there that put in simple terms some very, very complex ideas uh, and complex topics. It's like, you know, you listen to a news podcast and the news podcast assumes so much knowledge. Uh, you listen to something on another topical issue, it assumes knowledge. And I guess the, the point here is that we take a step back and, and, you know, we're not compromising on details, but we take a step back and say, well, for those who don't know, or for those who may not be familiar, as we did with the Indonesian elections, you know, let's put it simply, what does it mean and, and, and what's likely to happen, etc. And when you think of the issue we're covering this week, right, I mean, you know, mindfulness and, and feeling fulfilled in your career, etc. I mean, to me, it, it's the topic of conversation in you know so many friendship circles of mine absolutely um and i think we've uh, through the issues that we're covering um we're really looking at, at things and topics that i know certainly for myself i've really struggled to keep on top of but yeah let's come back to today's topic of being stuck tell me something have you ever felt stuck in your career oh <laughs> have i ever i mean i can talk about this for days uh non-stop you know it, it so much of i think the reason why our generation feels stuck is, you know, our parents had it very different, right? I mean, if you think of, you know, two people on, say, a teacher's salary could have bought a house uh, very easily uh, back in back in the day. Now it's not the case. Uh, so, the, you know, there's additional financial pressures. There's less other worries that, that probably existed back with how parents did. But there's also the whole, you know, uh, having opportunities and having choice you know, you and I are both children to to migrant parents. They didn't have as much as a choice as what we did. You know, my father started working in a factory a few days before I was born, and he's been there for, for 36 and a half years. And I'm sure he's felt stressed and overwhelmed, but I don't think he's ever thought, I feel stuck in my career. I feel unfulfilled in my career. That's my story anyway. I mean, lucky for you, you've, you felt nothing but fulfillment, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Except, yeah, that's quite far from the truth. You mentioned about, you know, being children of migrants and being given that hope. And I think it's fair to say you and I both embrace that pretty well, effectively, and um, have done with quite a lot with the opportunity we've, we've been given. But I have to say, I think we're not alone in modern times. Everybody I talk to is feeling stressed, somewhat burnt out, I guess, um, and really stuck in their careers. This is something that's really, really familiar that I'm hearing with so many people. And really, I'm so glad that we're delving into that today. Uh, and I think it's very, very important, particularly for, for people of a certain generation. 
Um, we're all struggling at times to keep on top of things, not just about topics and the issues that we discuss on this podcast, but just our personal lives. And having some of these tips, having some of this, I guess, mindset change that we're going to discuss on on uh, this week's episode could really be transformational. We are indeed. And, and you know, mindfulness and, and being present uh, and embracing the present and basically worrying less about the future is, is is the solution to so much of those stresses. A lot of thinkers have, have written about this. A lot of research has been done in this area. So before we move to our guest, tell me how much do you know about mindfulness? I'm ashamed to say I don't know much at all. Look, I know the basics. You know, I know, I know that uh, it, it's about being in the present, but really what does that mean? And I think we need to put that simply, but also I think we need to put it into into some real life context, uh, give some real life uh, practical examples, and I hope we can cover that off. And we have the perfect person to take us through that. Jay Abasi is a coach, a speaker, a trainer, you name it. Many years ago, he was a leader with Tesla until one day he decided that, well, there's more to life and more to his career. He launched his own consultancy and since then has coached hundreds of professionals to build careers that they love. Now, there's a lot to love about Jay, and I've been following him for a long time on LinkedIn. The one thing I noticed, though, is in Jay's bio on LinkedIn, he said that he was a non-fan of avocados, which is where we start our conversation. Jay joins us from his home in New Jersey here on Put Simply. Jay Abasi, welcome to Put Simply. Thanks so much for joining. I'm going to start with your hatred of avocados that I know you had on your LinkedIn profile a while back. What's with that? So I have some updates on avocado. Oh, you have updates. It's changed. So I did hate avocado. I hated it pretty harshly. I hated the texture. It was bothering me whenever somebody put in a salad. It's too slimy. I couldn't stand it. But similarly, when I was young, I hated hummus too. And I grew up in a Middle Eastern household and hummus was on every dinner table and I hated it. But I grew into it and I ended up loving it. And I told myself, hey, I hate avocado now, but I may love avocado one day. And sure enough, after a few tests, a few experiments, I ended up liking avocado. So I had to remove it from my LinkedIn profile because it was inauthentic. I actually now thoroughly enjoy avocado. And in my refrigerator right now, I have a salad prepared with avocado in it that I look forward to eating for dinner tonight. So what's the lesson here, Jay? The lesson is do not stay too fixed in your ways. And I knew that this could happen. And to keep exploring and experimenting, because you never know what seasons could change and their taste buds or just anything in life at all could differ As you progress in your years. All right. Well, another interesting fact, and I don't think this has been updated. You keep your phone on silent all the time. Like silent as in full silent. No notifications, no buzzes, nothing. This causes me great anxiety to even think that I could do it or someone else could do it. What's with that? Right. That has not changed. That that has not changed. So um, actually, I'm putting my phone upside down right now, so I don't even see it because I usually have it upside down and I'm doing that right now because I don't want it, any distraction. But it's for that reason. I don't. Every phone call, every text is an interruption when you're getting a, a buzz or a sound. 100% of the time, it's an interruption. Now, is that interruption worth it? That's the question. And what I found, and since I've been doing this now for years, there have been maybe one, 
or at most two instances where I missed a phone call or a text that was somewhat important. And it ended up being fine anyway, because I just called back and everything was okay. For me, I want to be present. I want to be present with you both as I'm speaking with you here. I want to be present when I am with my daughter. I want to be present when I'm doing my work and be as skillful and productive as I can be. And any distractions going to pull me away from the present moment, and I'm not going to be as effective as I could be. So I leave it on silent 100% of the time. Only time is like if I'm expecting a food delivery, then maybe I'll put it on. But outside of that, it is always on silent for that reason. Jay, you wear many hats. You're a coach, a speaker, a trainer. Can you take us through your career journey and 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 what led you to where you are today? Absolutely. So I'll start where this was now close to 10 years ago. I was working at a finance company. It was the first job out of college. And uh, it was work that was pay paying the bills, but it wasn't incredibly fulfilling. And I didn't feel like I was making a great impact on in what I was doing. And I was, I considered a part of my life where I was riding on autopilot, just reacting to things. Then my father passed away and it was very sudden, very unexpected. And it really forced me to go within and ask the deeper questions is what am I, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? Is this my fate? If I don't take care of myself, am I going to pass away at a young age from a heart attack like my father did? And what am I here to do with the time that I have? I don't know how much time I really have. I, I need to do something different. So it forced me to go within and I realized that where I had a passion and where my strengths were, were in the spaces of coaching people and training people. It was just something that came very natural to me. So I left the finance company. I started working for Tesla. And within four years, I got promoted six times. My last role, I was running a national training program for Tesla throughout North America. So about a thousand employees, somewhere, give or take, were I was responsible for the training and coaching programs for them. And uh, that included sales, customer service, leadership development. It was work I thoroughly enjoyed doing, very fulfilling work. But during the time when I was there, I found a healthy balance. The thing that I saw so many people struggling with, people were burning out, people were overworked. But I was able to find a healthy balance and be there for my daughter and make sure that I was always at her basketball games and attending her, her school events. And so when I left Tesla, it happened quite organically where it felt like the next stage for me was to be able to support professionals throughout the world who are really struggling with feeling stuck, feeling like they aren't fulfilled, feeling like they're burning out. And so I created my programs around that. And now for years, uh, that's the work that I've had the honor of doing. So Jay, based on your journey and the outline that you've just given us, you've obviously coached hundreds and hundreds of professionals if I was to ask you to narrow down the issues that people are having in modern times, what would you say they are? I'll do my best to put them into categories. One is a lack of clarity. They are unclear as to where to take their career. So similar to where I was when I mentioned I had been riding on autopilot, it felt like I was just reacting to things and I'm now in a career I'm I don't really enjoy this. And where am I going with this? What's the what, what's the direction that I'm taking? And in that clarity, oftentimes what people are missing is just understanding what is the unique talent that they have to serve the world with and how they can utilize that in a way that will solve real world problems. The second category that often comes up is people who are feeling burnt out, overworked, stressed. And here, this is where throughout our lives, no one gives us the manual of how to deal with high demand 
workplaces. No one teaches us how to handle ever-changing work environments. And so I provide them with the manual, the tools to be able to really navigate these work environments, navigate the high demands of the modern workplace through teaching them techniques, strategies to manage through the stress and be able to optimize their performance in the face of high pressure. And I'd say the the third one is just a sense of overcoming their old conditioning. So we have conditioning, conditioning from a young age where we are operating under these patterns that oftentimes don't serve us. And that leads us to feel a lack of self-worth, a lack of confidence and um, maybe the imposter syndrome, which is, you know, term so often used nowadays. And what I provide them there with is a way to tap into their self-worth, uh, build up their confidence to be able to take new risks, whether that's navigating and or getting promoted within their organization, making a transition to something new, or even starting their own business. Do you think the world is getting more stressed? Okay. I think people are are more depressed and unhappy stress levels in terms of just the demand that are placed on people i don't think there is as much of a difference today as there may have been 50 or 100 years ago how people are managing that stress has changed so the research shows that even 50 years ago we had less wealth people had to work harder to provide for their families and the level of happiness then was higher than it is now. So people are less happy now, even though they have more money, even though they have more security. The reason I think that there is more depression and more anxiety and more or higher levels of unhappiness in today's modern society is due to the influx of technology, comparison, and just the psychological levers that are being pulled everywhere we look. So on that point, Jay, of people being less happy, more depressed, more anxious, I mean, how much of the abundance of stimulation that we have today has to do with it, do you think? And and what can we do about it? I think that the answer is to take ownership of the stimulus that is coming into our lives. We can't rely on the social media corporations and you know media outlets to change. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. So what we need to do, what individuals need to do, um, and it does, I think, start with parents for children, is to take full ownership of that. And that is to be very mindful of how we're leveraging or how we're utilizing our devices so that we can control our devices rather than our devices controlling us. It's, to me, just a matter of setting rules for oneself and how they're using these devices and also making time to not feel the need to keep reaching for the next thing. It is to be able to be present and be okay with nothing happening. Be okay with doing nothing. Be okay walking out in nature and just being there with nature. See, this is something that we didn't have a choice to do because we didn't have stimulus all over the place hundreds of years ago, which is why we see more happiness then. And today, it feels like we are trapped in a world where it's everywhere, but that's not true. You can do something about it. You can take ownership of it, and you can decide day in and day out to carve out time to be 
present, to be mindful, to not be reaching for your next substance, the next drug, because that's ultimately what a social media notification is for you. It's a drug. It's dopamine that hits, uh, hits your brain. To not feel a need to keep reaching for it and to be able to settle into the present moment. What role does choice play here, Jay? Because... You know, we're speaking off the top of the podcast about being the the children of migrants, for example, and, and you have a very similar background. Our generation has been told that we can do whatever we want. We can be anything we want in the world. And so many times people don't know what they want to do. And so many times a 16 or 17 year old kid has to decide what they want to do. What role do you think choice plays? The, the role that I... I know it has played for me is where we feel overwhelmed by the choices and research has shown that that is actually one of the causes of unhealthy stress and anxiety is that you have too many choices to pick from. So if you have too many choices to pick from and being in that state of indecisiveness, it can make you feel stagnant, make you feel stuck. That's one. The other thing I was thinking as you were describing that is there's also a sense of uh, almost feels like guilt, which is, you know, they did all this for me. And now I have to prove my worth. I have to deliver on that. And that's a pressure that I don't mean to say that parents have intentionally imposed on us, because oftentimes it isn't. It's, it's, it's not conscious that they're doing this on purpose, but it's something that we receive and we interpret that, hey, we need to prove ourselves. And so we keep going for more and more and more, which I think can have um, a negative a negative result. Look, I, I have this experience myself. I, I have two children. I have a, a son and a daughter who can't sit still. They are constantly wanting to do things, constantly wanting to be stimulated, et cetera. And I guess one of the things that, that you picked up on um, before about being conditioned, I have been conditioned to entertain them as my wife has, um, full time, um, because when I see them bored or when I see them doing really not much, I feel a, a sense of obligation, a sense of responsibility, because I didn't like being bored myself uh, when I was young, having nothing to do. Yeah. You're a parent. What would you kind of recommend to people who who have who might have this sort of thing? Uh, because it really comes down to to living in the moment, doing nothing, absorbing the world around you. How do you do that? I mean, it's, it's it sounds great in theory. Your words make a lot of sense to me, but can you give us some practical kind of examples of how you would do that? Yeah, absolutely. For children especially, what they're looking for is excitement. They want a thrill. They want that, as you said, entertainment. And so as parents, we can infuse any activity with that sense of excitement as long as we're doing it proactively and we're very intentional about it. So... Going out for a walk, if, hey, let's just go out for a walk, that sounds kind of boring. But if you frame it as something incredibly exciting, something to be enthusiastic about, that they're going to enjoy thoroughly, or a, a simple, like, for example, my daughter and I, we play cards, and, and we just will play cards. So it's no stimulus. We're just focusing on an activity, enjoying each other's company, and we're playing cards. And I've built up the excitement around it like, oh, you're not going to beat me this time. I'm going to beat you. You know, we, we make it fun and competitive. So it isn't, I guess my point is, 
goes on that it, it isn't so binary where one activity is so boring and the other one is super stimulated and I have to give in to the stimulated one. There's a middle ground there, which is, well, how I frame up the activity is going to ultimately get them enthused or motivated to be able to do the activity. And then when doing it, when they enjoy it, they now have created this new association where when I just go outside with my dad, we have a blast. We have so much fun and they're going to be looking forward to that as an alternative to being on the iPad and just scrolling and hitting buttons. Great advice. You need to help me out. Mindfulness, put simply, what is mindfulness? And really, at the end of the day, how do we embrace the the present moment? There's been a lot of uh, work done on this. There's a lot of talk, particularly both during and in the aftermath of the pandemic. And, and what's really triggered this kind of, I suppose, recent uh, obsession with, with mindfulness and, and why is it important? Mindfulness is, I think, the simplest thing and it's simpler than the simplest definition. I'm going to do my best to keep it simple, <laughs> but whatever I share with you now, it's even simpler than that. It is paying attention in a certain way with objectivity and without judgment, paying attention to the present moment in a certain way, objectively and without judgment. So what is that certain way? It is to observe things as they are without the layers of thoughts and stories that are being projected onto your experience. So for example, if I am here with you now, but I am already casting my judgment onto what I think of you or what I think of this situation or what I expect to be getting out of this, I am not practicing mindfulness in this moment. I am practicing mindfulness right now when I am just observing things as they are objectively, meaning without the subjectivity, without adding all those extra layers, and not putting any judgment. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not right. It's not wrong. It is as it is, and I see it as it is. Then you asked why this became so prevalent during the pandemic. Well, I feel like the uh, pandemic brought about so much uncertainty. Well, I'm going to rephrase that. It spotlighted uncertainty. And that spotlight made people feel a sense of fear of what could happen. And they were therefore being pulled out of the present moment. And so the practice of mindfulness, I think, has helped so many people to be able to navigate that apparent uncertainty that wasn't there before. And I guess, why is it so valuable? It's because no one lives life in the past. No one lives life in the future. <laughs> Life can only be lived here, right now, in this moment. No one's ever experienced anything other than the present moment. So why are we so often paying attention to our thoughts that are projecting into the future or our thoughts that are pulling us back to the past? We're not, we don't live there. We live here. And so why is it so valuable? Because one, it definitely, and all the studies and research show, it gives you or taps into a sense of peace and well-being and, and overall happiness. And also, you are much more skillful. You are much more productive. You're much more effective when you are immersed in the present moment rather than caught into thinking about the future or the results of what it is that you're doing. That's a lot to unlearn, Jay. Um, we're not taught that way. We're not programmed that way. How do you begin the journey of, of unlearning? Well... You're right. We are taught differently. And there's this time for you tapping into imagination and being creative. There's, we don't say, I'm not labeling that, that is wrong. What is required 
to be able to unlearn. And as I said earlier, it's, it's simpler than simple. It's to observe this moment right now without caring so much about what the next moment's going to bring you. So it's to just fully immerse yourself in this moment. And when you do, and this is for anybody I've ever worked with, when you do, you feel something. You sense something. I mean, as you're, you and I are chatting right now, if I ask you to do this, if I just say, let go of whatever's to come next and just sense the present moment, whether that means being mindful of listening as I speak, being mindful of your body and being grounded in the chair that you're sitting in, you start to sense something. It's a different experience. And once you tap into that, once you get a flavor of that, a taste of that, you go, okay, I get it. Because anything I explain it in words is not going to do it justice. You can sense it. You can feel it. You can tap into it. And when you do, then you go, okay, I get it. And the practice is to simply keep going there over and over and over again. So let me play devil's advocate for a second. That's all fine. That's all amazing. In theory, what do you say to people that say, well... I can do all that, but there's bills that need to be paid. There's emails that need to be written. There's work that needs to be done. What's your response to that? <laughs> what I find is that that is a, a very common pattern that people fall into, and that's very binary thinking. If it's not this, then it's that. If I am fully present and doing this mindfulness stuff, then I can't attend to the responsibilities in my life. And that is so far from the truth. <laughs> that is so far from the truth. <laughs> You attend to everything more skillfully. You attend to everything with all of your attention, with all of your intelligence, with all of your skill. Compare this to professional sports. I'll use basketball. The basketball player who is on the court and is so worried about the score and is so worried about what the people in the stands think of them and is so is just thinking about the end of the game and what they're going to have for dinner afterwards. Are they going to be very good at what they do? Are they going to be better than the person who is fully present, fully aware of everything that's going around them, completely in the moment? Who's going to be a better basketball player? I mean, it's it's obvious to us when we explain it that way, right? Well, as a parent, who's going to be the better parent? The parent that when they are dealing with this crying kid is worrying about the bills, or the parent that when dealing with the crying kid, they are fully there with the crying kid. 100% present, there, nothing else going on, no other thoughts taking them away or distracting them from the child in front of them that's screaming. That parent is more effective. Same thing goes with our work. You wanna be the best at your, a high performer in your work. If you're the person when you're doing the work, you are fully immersed in your work and you are giving it your full attention and you're not worrying about your your boss or the other stakeholders or what people are going to think and you're, you are immersed, you are going to perform much better than the person that is constantly worrying about everything else. Does that make sense? Perfectly. It does indeed. I'm sure much like the both of you, I'm a huge news junkie. I practice a little bit of what you talk about in terms of I'm going to be present and I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to watch some TV, relax, etc. I turn on the TV. There's nothing but suffering. There's conflict. It feels like we're going through a period where there's just so much less certainty, so much more to worry about. How do you deal with this? I mean, it makes a great deal of sense, but we are human beings. We have an environment that we live in. And when we, when you look around, and particularly if you're interested in what's going on around you, you see a lot of negativity. And that's certainly for myself. 
been a great deal of concern. Um, a lot of the stuff that's going on with the Israel-Gaza issue. How, how do you divorce yourself from that and, and live in the moment when there's real bad stuff going on around the world? Yeah. There are three things that I would I would consider in response to, to that question. The first one is understanding why people behave as they, as they do. And to do so without judgment, similar to what I was saying earlier about not projecting judgment onto it. So for example, with Israel and Gaza, to understand that the actions of the individuals who are doing things that are incredibly harmful, they're doing so out of their own misunderstandings and their own fears. And um, for me, having a background, I'm Palestinian, so I can definitely feel the emotional pull of what's going on over there. I remind myself and I of why people do these things, and it actually gives me taps into compassion for both sides, for for everyone dealing with this, everyone who's suffering, and the people here in the in the U.S. or out, outside of the U.S. who are outside of the the Middle East, even who are emotionally distraught by what's going on. I find that just tapping into what's what's really going on, what's really happening within every individual, why they're behaving as they are helps me because it helps me to relate to them, to realize that they are in a state of fear. They are feeling threatened. Both sides are feeling threatened. Therefore, that's part of the human condition that I can relate to, and I can then tap into compassion for what it is that they're going through. So that's the first thing. Second thing is then how how can I see that in myself? Because I can't change them. I can't change anyone here, and, and I can't change another person. I can't pull that lever as much as I would like to be able to pull that lever. Sure, I can coach someone. I can give them training. But ultimately, it's up to them to decide to make a change. I know that I can work on me, though. And so when I see these things in the news, I ask myself, well, what are the, the things in me that could be the same seeds that have grown into what we're seeing there that I need to fix within myself? Because that's what I have control over. That's the, These are the choices that I can make. And then the third thing, and this might sound quite elementary, but I still think it's 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 very worthwhile to discuss, is while staying informed is helpful and I stay informed... I am careful to not consume too much of that negativity. And I would say reduce the intake, um, especially when it's coming from a source that is uh, evoking a lot of that emotional response intentionally to get more clicks and to get more ratings. Um, so what we consume matters. And so staying informed, helpful. Over uh, consuming news outlets from sources that are looking to try and get you riled up, not helpful. You are consuming that. Is it going to affect your overall state, your mindset, your emotional state? It's going to affect how you show up with your kids, how you show up at work. So therefore, limit that consumption. Jay, I often say that my life changed when I stopped worrying about what I thought about a situation versus what I could actually do about that situation. And this came up in, in one of your posts on LinkedIn leading into 2024. You wrote, set the intention, plan out the work to achieve your goal, and then let go of how you get to that result. So many of us live attached to outcomes, and I'm guilty of that. Why is letting go important? Because holding on is the source of unhappiness. Clinging is the source of unhappiness. When we are grasping towards something that we think once we get it is going to make us happy, we are in a state of unhappiness. Because we're reaching for something that when we say we, we get it, when we have this desire fulfilled, oh, this is what's going to make me happy. But what ends up happening is we get whatever it is that we desired, and maybe we have a bit of a thrill. Maybe we feel good for a little while. But then we end up 
wanting to hold on to this thing really tight because we're scared it's going to be taken away from us or we get bored of it and now we want the next thing. And you're now in a cycle of unhappiness. You're just in a cycle of unhappiness. Same thing goes with wanting to push something away that you don't that you have that you don't want. So for example, if if there's something that's tr troubling you about either yourself or about your situation and you're like once I get rid of this then I'm going to be happy. It's the same thing. You're instead of reaching you're pushing something away and you're telling yourself when this is gone then I'm going to be happy. This is the cycle that almost every human being is in and and even for those who awaken to the truth of it, we still find that we can get into that pattern so easily. So what's the solution? is I think actually I'm going to reference Mahatma Gandhi because I think he stated it better than I've heard anyone else state it. He said, a burning passion coupled with absolute detachment is the key to all success. So a burning passion, meaning set the intention and be passionate about whatever it is that you're doing. Give it your all. Go for it. And I'm not saying don't care. That's different. Mahatma Gandhi cared. He cared about the results. He cared about his people's well-being, but he detached from the outcome. Meaning he did not invest his identity and his well-being in things going a certain way. He did not invest his happiness in a certain outcome. And whenever we are able to detach from the result with that burning passion, we find success. Success in both achievement as well as our overall well-being. So set the intention, which is I make the plan. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to experience my life. This is how I want to celebrate my joy. And I'm going to do my best to outline the steps. I'm going to reflect, make sure that I'm on the right track. But if it ends up being the result is different than what I intended, or I have to change course, I am not going to be too rigid and feel as though, oh, now the happiness that I was seeking out is not going to come to me because I've never invested my happiness in that outcome. It was never invested in that, in that result. And I think that that pairing of burning passion and absolute detachment, this is the key to all of it. This is what I find helps people to tap into sustained, causeless, unperturbed happiness, and to be at their best, to be at their most productive. If I had a dollar for every time a friend of mine told me that uh, they feel stuck in their job and they feel helpless, um, I'd be a very rich man. But actually very concerning right now because many of the friends that I speak to that have these sorts of uh, feelings and sentiments are in some ways actually stuck in their job. There's got to be some advice that you can give to people who have that feeling of being stuck in a job and might physically be stuck in a job. How do they make themselves unstuck? Well, how to make yourself unstuck always starts with pausing and taking inventory. If you're running and 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 you're like, I feel stuck. I'm on this treadmill, right? I'm just I'm running on this treadmill. And I keep going, 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 going. You're too immersed in it to be able to really find what's going to be the appropriate way out of your situation. So hit the pause button on the treadmill and get off of it for a moment. I don't mean quit your job, by the way. I mean, just carve out time and really take inventory of what's going on. So we're not saying hit the stop button, hit the pause button and, and ask yourself the deeper questions. What do I really love about what I do? Is it aligning with my passions and my strengths? Is this the direction that I want to be going in? So the pause is a very important part of this. And then the other thing is when people are feeling stuck, oftentimes they're, they're falling out of the things that will optimize their focus and their energy. Uh, so they aren't taking care of themselves. They aren't exercising. They aren't eating well. They aren't sleeping well. They're just falling into bad habits. And so to get unstuck, one of the things that you have to 
prioritize is caring for yourself. The other components to consider is what are, and I said this earlier, but what are the unique ways in which you can serve the world? What, what are the unique talents that you have? And is your current situation allowing for you to be able to exercise that talent in a meaningful way? And start with yourself. Don't start with the environment. Go within first. Check yourself. Because a lot of people that I meet, they assume they need to find another job. But if they find another job, they're going to get stuck again because it's not the job. <laughs> it's them. It's how they're relating to their job. So there are some questions that need to be answered in regards to how are you managing your stress? How are you managing the demand? How are you managing the pressure? And we need to have those answers before we then look at the environment. Because it could be that the environment is not conducive. It could be that the manager that you're working for is just someone that you cannot align with those values or the mission of the company is something that you can't get on board with or the values, the culture is just really out of sync. And if that's the case, then yes, you need a new environment, but don't jump there. Go within first before you think about what changes need to be made outside of yourself. And so there are a few things that I mentioned there. And, and so really it starts with taking that inventory to then make better decisions. And then once those decisions are made, having the courage to follow through on those decisions. Well, Jay, we could talk to you for hours, no doubt. Thank you so much for joining us here on Put Simply. Thank you very much, Jay. That was amazing. Oh, you're most welcome. Thanks for having me. And that's been this week's episode of Put Simply. I've been your host, Erdem Koch. And I'm Ozan Ibrahim. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcasts platform and follow Oroku Group on LinkedIn for all the up-to-date information. Until next time, thanks for listening.